clearly, I didn't realize this at the time, but when O'Reilly gave me his card, he knew that he had probably done this with other women, so he was demanding me that, that I drop off the card. And that's why I went up to the room. I, I look back now and it's like, oh my God, Juliet, like what the hell? Hi, I'm Gina Cerrito, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Lynn White and Judy Licht. We're the News Broads, broads casting about the news and all things media. We're here to give you insights on how it all works. A look at the news you won't find anywhere else. You may not know her name, but you definitely know her story. Juliet Huddy was one of the women who successfully sued Bill O'Reilly, which led to his firing at Fox News, and it defined her as one of the earliest Me Too cases. Honestly, I, I have been sort of trying to stop talking so much about the past and everything, but I will make I will make an exception for you guys. Thank you. We and appreciate for that, that. For that, we are intensely <laughs> grateful, I have to say. And also, as you probably know, we are all aware of the non-disclosure situation, and so we and will respect that in anything you don't want to talk about, just say you don't want to talk about it. I will. I think I had heard rumors about Roger prior to Fox, right. little things like that, but I don't ever recall being told, ever. So what was your time at Fox like then? Um, in the mid-2000s? Yeah. I was, I mean, you know, you, before you were your Before your national show. It was amazing. I mean, I was, I was, when I had Fox and Friends weekend, which was 2003, I was the golden girl. You have to understand, I was doing a nationally syndicated show from January 2007 until the end of 2009. So we were taping in Studio D, which was at the Fox News headquarters in New York City. But when I was doing that show, I was out of the Fox News channel loop. I didn't watch it. I didn't care about it. I was focused on my job, and that was pretty much it. I mean, I sort of tuned out of news, period. So I wasn't really seeing what was happening. All I saw was basically who was making headlines, you know, Megyn Kelly becoming the big thing, um, certain people changing jobs, who was, you know, who was now out, who was in. That's kind of what my, that's all I was yeah. paying attention to. And in addition to that, just realizing, wow, Fox News has gone from this little, little Fox News, little baby, to being like this massive, just machine, monolith, I mean, just behemoth. Um, and that was... I think that was the beginning of the problems, frankly. Why? I think because not only did the executives start to wield more power, Roger Ailes himself, but the talent and the high-level producers did as well. That's when I think I started seeing this weird shift. It sounds stupid, but when I was at Fox News Channel, we would go and get our hair and makeup done. Greatest thing ever. You would go in before your shift, you know, to get prepped, and you'd go in, and whoever was there would do your hair and makeup. Once I was at the syndicated show, and I started sort of seeing what was changing at Fox News Channel, I noticed, oh, wait a minute. All of a sudden now the talent, mainly the women, were picking and choosing who they wanted to have do their hair and makeup. <laughs> and then they were starting to walk around the halls with their posses and their assistants, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, that was... That was a change. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yes, yes. And people that I thought were really talented, talented people, um, 
and people that I had worked with and thought, these are just really great people. I started to see a different side of them, just this sort of um, not only wielding the power, but being very competitive. And again, it kind of was the women. Yeah. When I went back in after my uh, syndicated show was canceled, I went back in and I definitely noticed, again, uh, this this woman, this talent is walking around with her posse and her assistants. You know, literally, it looked like a, it looked like a, a TV movie or a TV show, you, they've got their little notepads and they're chasing after you know this one and that, and it's like, oh, for Christ's sake. Um, I definitely noticed that there was so much more competitiveness, not just on the air, but just with each other. And it, it was just, it was, that was a real disappointment to me. I think I felt a little overwhelmed once I went back to Fox News. Like, like I didn't belong there anymore because um, I, it's not that I, I don't feel that I failed at the syndicated show. I think there were some forces going on behind the scenes that, that really did us in. But um, I, I feel like I went back there and it was like, my time has, her time has passed. There, everybody else has stepped up. She's older. She has a, f a failure behind her. And then as the years went on and Fox became more powerful and became number one, then it was like, I think everybody drank the, the the power the power aid <laughs> yeah. and 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 I do think that there was sort of I'm not sort of there was a a I don't even know what you would call it this kind of phenomenon from the top from Roger and the and the big Second boys floor. that made you that that forced us to be really competitive and nasty mm -hmm. with each other mm -hmm. it was almost like well I remember when I would be called into Roger's office he would inevitably ask me, "What's going on with this one? What's what's going on with Lori? Is she doing coke? What's going on with this person? Is she is she sleeping with?" That? I mean, he would want all the detail, and I was like, "I mean, I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna give him all this crap. Like, I, that's that's a nightmare." Right. And he was really into that. Were you? I can't remember. Were you with me when we were out with a group of people? You were there, weren't you? Tara Reed. No, the underwear oh. on my ex-husband's head. Yes. This, yes. this was, I don't want to say who did it, but there was a group of us. It was producers, on-air people. We all had gone out. Gina was there. Um, this was early on. Yeah, it was very early on. And we had all gone out to drinks and whatever. I think gone out to Rosa Mexicana. I think yeah, that might have been that night. And usually. then afterwards, we went out to a bar, a dive bar. And we're all sitting around, and somebody's beer bottle turned over. And so one of my colleagues, Mike Jarek, turned it, you know, spun it around and we did, I mean, we're a bunch of adults, but we're playing, I Spin never. Spin the bottle. I never. And <laughs> it lands on this one female anchor. And so Mike says, oh yeah, truth or dare. That's what it was. And she says, dare. And Mike says, all right, I want you to take your panties off. And she was wearing a skirt. I think she was wearing a suit. That was before the wardrobe people really got to us and we started wearing really cute stuff. She was wearing a suit and pantyhose. She dug up, under, and this is an on-air talent. I mean, there are people at this bar. She digs up under her skirt, pulls her pantyhose up, pulls her underwear off, and puts them on top of my husband at the time's head. And it was insane. Long story short, that story, not through me, got back to Roger Ailes a short time later. And I was up in his office, called me up to his office, and beating around the bush for a second, and then he brings that up, and he's like, "I heard uh, so and so, the, you know, with your with your husband." And I thought, if I 
if I admit this, if I if I say yeah that happened, this girl's fucked. Right. She's completely fucked because it was really just not. A, it was, and so I said I don't I don't know what you're talking about. And I he actually like backed off of me because I think he thought oh shit Juliet maybe Juliet wasn't at the table and she didn't know about it and oh so you know and so he backed off and he didn't mention it again. But I could the girl could have gotten fired. But that was the kind of stuff that he would do. He would try to lean information from all of us when we would go into his office and he would he would feel that you were loyal if you were giving information to him we've well, worked judy and i are looking at each other we've worked at shops like that we were lynn and i met when we worked in a, in the same newsroom and there to your point i would hear and you would hear stories of who was screwing whom for 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 in power plays and um i i was kind of like you juliet in the sense i was safe because i was married at the time and my ex-husband was very friendly with the news director so i was sort of like out of the, right. the playing field of, as it were but but i would hear about certain production assistants and associate producers and so on who allegedly were having they all have nicknames. Dirty, you know all places have gossip right. if you're a yeah. woman and you're reasonably attractive it's always oh she slept her way to the Top. But even NBC, there's always this, right? women NBC, are Matt subjected Lauer. to that. Yeah. Um, but in this newsroom, it was like, oh, X was, you know, you know, went down on so and so, and and that's how she got the job of right. producing that thing. And you know, there was a lot of that. There's and a I, lot I, I of got, that. you know, so I think it exists in all cultures and especially in newsrooms. And, and look, I mean, the fact is, you spend a lot of time in your newsroom, at your job, wherever you're working, and. You, that's how a lot of us meet our, our spouses or our boyfriends or girlfriends or whatever. I mean, it happens. It's just when when the person who happens to be in a superior position starts lording over you right. and then targeting you and, and and creating problems for you because you're not giving him what he wanted or, or her what she wanted. And that that's where that's where the relationships at work become a problem. Right. To say the least. And and every newsroom, I don't care where you work. There are a lot of pretty people there, right? And there are a lot of pretty people with pretty egos, and they like to go out and drink and tell stories because that's what we are. We're raconteurs. We like to tell the stories of the day. So you're going to get a lot of that camaraderie, which also goes into something more. That we understand. It's when people use that against you to ruin your career. And I think that's what was happening from the second floor. I think that there was this sort of feeling from Roger that it was really beneficial to the network for him to keep all of us, especially women, on our toes. To always make us feel like we were not secure in our jobs. We were e expendable. And you know, you, you hear, I, I've read interviews, I've seen, I think it might have even been in the loudest voice or some something I saw recently where some character said that or, or, or conveyed that, that you were all, no matter how badass you were, no matter how long you'd been in your position, Roger or one of his minions would always let you know, oh, no, 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 don't get comfortable. You, you, there's a younger, prettier, right. uh, cheaper person that's going to come in and take your place. Therefore, prove your loyalty Yeah, to therefore, me. don't screw around and, yes, and, right. and do what and, I and say. And prove your quote-unquote loyalty And they would always bring in, didn't you love this? They would always bring in, like, a younger version of you, somebody who looked like you but was younger, didn't have as much um, experience, it was malleable, and... That's the person that they would say, okay, um, when so-and-so, Juliet yeah. is off Offered today, bit, yes. this person's filling in for you. Well, I'll tell you this. This was funny because when I was doing Fox and Friends Weekend, before it, we, it actually became Fox and Friends Weekend, 
we were just kind of doing those hours and so they were thinking of making it a, a seven day a week thing. So I was doing it with, I, I, at the time I forget who, two, uh, two guys and me. And there was this really a, a young, attractive uh, correspondent, Kieran Chetri. And she was sort of brought in to be my backup. And I remember one day, <laughs> I remember one day, I was on the air. I had seen Allison, I forgot what her name was, from MSNBC, uh, African-American girl, Stewart. Allison Stewart. She was on the air one day and she had this cool little jean jacket and it looked so cute. And it was like, I forget what the bottom was, but she looked cute. The jean mm -hmm. jacket looked cute and turtleneck or whatever. And so I wore that on a Saturday on the air. I get pulled off the show, after the show I get pulled off. The next, I'm, I'm told, uh, Karen's gonna be filling in for you tomorrow and the next two weekends. Ugh. Because Roger got pissed off because he thought by me wearing a jean jacket, I was basically saying, fuck you. Oh. Uh, I, I, I don't take this job seriously. It was so bizarre. It was just <laughs> like, what? I thought I looked cute. I thought it was like, I thought this was cute. So so the bottom line in all of this, or there are lots of bottom lines we'll get to, but one of <laughs> no them. No pun intended. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Um, is how accurate were was the movie Bombshell and and then the the TV series Loudest Voice in the Room? Um, well, I watched the TV series uh, on a flight home, so I didn't. It was hard to catch everything. Um, the t the TV series I thought was um, first of all I couldn't get past Russell Crowe being Roger Ailes because I just thought he just I didn't I thought he did a terrible job because Roger didn't talk like that it was just like oh it just it was just it made me cringe yeah. um, so I'm gonna kind of leave the loudest voice out because I just I, I really kind of wasn't paying that much attention to it right bombshell I would say. It was A plus, 100% accurate in terms of the set design. I mean, they oh, the they redid the um, the, the newsroom in Roger's office and Megyn Kelly's office. I mean, it was like, it was bizarre. Obviously the makeup and how they made people look, that was pretty on target. Um, the stories were, I, I feel, seemed to be fairly accurate. Um, the, the gist of the stories, but as far as how they portrayed the people, yeah. like how they portrayed Megan, how they portrayed Gretchen, how they portrayed me, uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle, that I thought that wasn't very, I, I didn't think it was very good. Um, In what sense though? Like they- Well, I just thought that it, they, they, it was Hollywood's idea of what it must have been like. Right. But for instance, I mean, I can talk about my situation specifically because do I'm it. me. Please do. Um, it was a very short scene if you haven't seen it, but they have Megan Kelly coming to see me, check in with me at my piddly little job at Fox 5 where I've been relegated to the 4.30 to 7 o'clock show. And, oh, um, I've had that slot there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it would have been <laughs> fine, but it was slot. like there were so many other things that were happening there at the time. Right, like, exactly. You're not going to fill in for Rosanna. You're not, it was right. just crazy. But, right. um, but they had Megan come to see me, which never would have happened because we didn't have that relationship. But I kind of look, you know, surreptitiously to the right and left to make sure that nobody's listening. And I, I warn Megan that um, she was trying to find out if, if I had been uh, harassed by Roger. And I said, no. And then I said, but Megan, watch out because the, 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 whatever floor it was, there's the black room or whatever they called it, which apparently was a thing, but I didn't know about it. And, and they made me... They made my character mention the fact that my father works, you know, has been a long time friend of Roger. My brother works for Fox News, and 
And so they kind of painted me as the girl who has the family connections who had to have known about all these 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 salacious things going on in the black room, and which I didn't. I had, I never heard that in my life until it was reported on. Um, and then also, by the way, no offense to Jennifer Morrison who played me. I actually really like her as an actress. I don't blame her for this, but she never called me. She never. I don't know if she ever watched me on television. But I was like, that's not me. Also, she didn't look anything like you. You're much blackier than she Yeah, and I'm bitchier, and I've got a foul mouth, and my hair, you know, and it was like, she was so simpering. She's so what your mom wished you were. Yeah, I know, exactly. I know. You watched this with Megyn Kelly, Bombshell. What was that like for you? Um, It was just weird watching it. We watched it for a special that Megyn did. It was a 30-minute special that Megyn did sort of the reaction of people who were, whose stories were featured in Bombshell. And we were sitting in the movie in, in a screening the room and Megan was with her husband and Rudy Bakhtiar was there. She was also somebody who left Fox and had a non-disclosure agreement. And another woman, Julie Zam, was there, apparently uh, um, harassed by Roger and sort of was that producer, the young producer, you know, the Margot Robbie character, um, that, that type of situation that happened to her. Um, it, I mean, it was, it was my first time seeing it, so I was kind of like, "This is so weird." So I mean, didn't you feel that way when you I were watching? Like, like it was Whoa. like it was like I was it 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 really hit me. It really rewound time. Yeah, right to those like yeah. It really really rewound time. And when she was walking around explaining how it worked, explaining how stories were told, go to Drudge, go to Breitbart. Uh, I mean, all that stuff, it was like, oh, my God, that was, you know, I was an entertainment producer, but I was, you know, it, the story had to be about, like, a, a Jesus movie yeah. or, uh, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, but it was just, it was like going back in time in which I feel that you and I tried to kind of, and not just us, but I think a lot of people, we tried to save each other. And stay. It was kind of safety in numbers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that we really made an effort to not let it sink in because we did all need the jobs, and we all were very young. This was another reason why I think they got away with so much is they hired. I mean, I was you were 24, very, yeah. 25, and right. I was on the red carpet at the Oscars. Like there was there was also a um, you know a naivete to us yeah. that. Yeah, looking back, look, when I was watching the movie, it was, I, I don't remember a lot of the movie because I was sort of just sitting there like, oh my God, like, whoa, that, that's so, that was, I, I, I mean, honestly, the, the, my uh, scene, one of my friends actually went to the theater and recorded it because I was like, I really don't remember what happened. I was, I was so like, this is the weirdest thing ever. But I, I just, the general feeling that I had there was, well, first of all, remember, I'm sitting with, some women who had left and had bad situations and I see Megan is sniffing because actually only when it was scenes that had her kids in it she she got very bothered by that and I'm like this is so bizarre like this is so weird and all I could think of honestly the entire time was god damn I wish I would have freaking not been a little wuss and and spoken up and 
been tougher. You know, to that point, you know, my son worked at the Weinstein Company, and he knew they all knew a bad thing was going to come. They all knew he screwed around. That Harvey screwed. They all knew this, but they didn't realize the extent to which it was. And when this all came out, he said there was this the same thing, the stun effect, but also the collective guilt that they hadn't pushed further to find out more, that they hadn't done yeah. more. That it was normalized. But it was, but norm- he, it was but a they part also of the culture. also wanted they were they had good jobs. Some of them were quite young. He was quite young and he had a great job and you know it was And like, also this was pre Me Too and I think that's really important to point things out. Have, too. Yeah. There's a difference. Not that that I think we've come so far that these women are working again. I think that's something we really, really that's really the next step. But that people are feeling a little more empowered because of people like you. And I know this NDA is like the you hate it but I uh, you know bring yourself back to those moments like there was no other option well it was also kind of like it's this is normal this must be the way it is, is out in the it. big world and let's yeah. that's what can you say about it what can you say about, about well, what, specific, what happened what specifically? specifically yeah um well I mean I, I I've talked about it I I when I was when I had the um the syndicated show it was pretty clear to me early on that something was not right. Um, it was um, there. We we went through in the course of two and a half years. We went through I think five executive producers. So if you're not in the industry, you might that might not seem significant, but it is significant because every executive producer is supposed to set the tone of what the show is about, what what this show is supposed to be, and. We thought when Mike and I got the show and when we first started, it was supposed to be sort of the rival to Regis and Kelly, but with two kind of dirtier, filthier, <laughs> more more <laughs> salacious weirdos, you know, and not so not so sweet, um, not so not, so, not so buttoned up. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of our thing, and then within a, a short amount of time, all of a sudden. The executive producer was gone. We've got a new person in there, and now we're starting to do really heavy stories where we have uh, child child uh, pedophiles on set, and we're talking to them after. As the, it, it was so weird, and Mike and I were like, "What the hell's going on here?" And when we tried to complain about it, the 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 bosses started to look at us like we're we're were troublemakers right. like why, what why, why are they constantly complaining about what's you know and it just it sort of started spinning out of control and and um, you always you, as talent you always know you i was you in a know. i did a morning show at the abc station before it was the forerunner of regis actually and the cindy it was the first one but anyway it, it they didn't the first executive producer was a disaster we all couldn't bear coming in in the morning it was so awful then they got somebody great who was wonderful and it got really good and the show changed a lot but they wouldn't pay her salary because she had a network salary and this was local so she went then they brought in somebody and every time you know they keep changing executive producers and courses you know you're in big trouble you know you're in trouble but also it, it was like this is not this is not us I mean this is a you got we got this show because of Mike and my weird personalities and and it worked you know we were the we were kind of the antichrist Fox and Friends people you know we were the we didn't do what everybody else on the network was doing so that's why we got the syndicated show but so that's when things started to go go haywire and it literally got to the point where we were neutered where our executive producer or a producer was saying to our staff you 
don't 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 be nice to Juliet and Mike. Don't when they pitch a story, we're not gonna. It was really bizarre, and, and it was like, what the hell is going on here? It, it, it and <laughs> when I started to complain about him, when I when Mike and I asked for a meeting with Roger, he went ballistic at us, and he started accusing Mike of. Uh, acting effeminate and he accused me of uh, doing drugs in the hallway. It was freaking crazy town and it was like that's when I knew something was going on here and, and things were starting to go awry. I, I, was, I, I wasn't handling all of it well. I mean it was just this sort of vicious circle. When I left, um, when the, the show was canceled ultimately and I ultimately went back to sort of be a utility player at Fox News put on this show, fill in on this show um it, you know, it was, again, it was like all these other women who were sort of coming up below me before I had the syndicated show were now on top. And so I was sort of going nowhere. And I all of a sudden get a call from Bill O'Reilly to fill in for somebody on some segment. And I filled in a few times and then I get a phone call from him saying, okay, you, you've got the job, you're, the ratings are great every time you're on, blah, 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 blah. And it was, it was great for a while. And then he... And you had to show your personality a little bit on that show. Yeah. And he, um, he asked me to go to lunch with him um, out, at his, <laughs> out on Long Island, which I thought was actually, I mean, honestly, again, it's not like I feel like an idiot, but I, I thought, well, this is like some really, really important, talented guy poaching me and saying, I'm going to groom this girl like this is and I thought this is freaking fantastic you know and I remember it was a horrible it was the aftermath of a horrible snowstorm no buses were moving in New York City and I had my little BMW Z3 that I had to drive out to his place on Long Island and I meet him at the house we're sitting there for a few minutes we're talking about then we go and have lunch and then we go back to the house and it was fine I mean nothing and as I go to leave I step outside on his little back uh, little side area and I go to, you know, say, oh, bye, give him a hug. And he gives me a kiss. And I was so shocked. I fell backwards, slid on the ice and fell backwards, oh like Calamity Juliet, very typical of me, you know, and I was just, I was completely shocked. And it just, but I just thought, okay, you know, look, I, I at the time I was 40. Well, I was, I'm an attractive like, girl and I'm single. Woman? and Right, right. Oh, she, he was divorced at this oh point. Oh my God. But I was going to say, where was Mrs. Oh, no. O'Reilly and all Yeah, this, she wasn't, but, she wasn't yeah, right at that point. Probably in some some lawsuit or something like so that. So there you are on your behind in the ice and what yeah, happened? Yeah, and I, I called. I get in the car and I remember I called my mom. I I was crying. I was like, God damn it! I you know I thought he 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 wanted to be sort of you know my my cheerleader and, and get me back on top. And my mom was like, Dude, chill <laughs> out, man. You know she That's was like, Mom was It's saying. cool, man. Right. You know, okay, you're an attractive woman, Juliet. I mean, just it's fine. Just relax. You know. And and I, I was like, okay. I mean, you know, my <laughs> my mom probably not the best judgment at the time, but she was just like, it's men and women. They like each other. Right, right. Well, don't right. forget. And I'm, I I want to hear the rest of the story. I'm not yeah. interrupting. You know, it was a different time, and that's a big part of the story. She probably faced that all the time, and she had a much more realistic kind of uh, just accepted attitude. But finish the I story. Think, yeah, I didn't want to interrupt. I mean, my mom's thinks, oh, don't be so dramatic. And you know, basically, that's what she said. So she I, says that a lot. Yeah, though. she does. But I, you know, I, 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 I let it go. And um, then he invited me to go to, to to dinner with him. But again, it was like it was I was doing well on his show, and I really thought, okay, I can handle this. It, it's not a big deal. This is a very important man. He's not going to 
he's not going to fuck around. Like, he's not going to do anything to to put it, you know, there's not going to be any liability issue. He's not that stupid. Um, <laughs> and men don't think be with the their brains. Right there. Right? Do not <laughs> think with their brains. He asked me to go to, uh, to go to dinner a few times. And we, we would just, we would go and we'd discuss the show. Remember, and yeah, you went never, and saw the show. He, he would get tickets. Yeah, well, that, and... was, well, that was only once. But right. he started calling me at home, you know, off hours. And, and again, it wasn't, it just didn't seem like a big deal. I just thought, oh, we're, we're becoming friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, lots of people are friends well, remember, with big, that important was our, people. And that was our relationship with Fox that, before that exact, yes. you had that that was what we did yeah. we everybody all, hung out right. we yeah and it was it just didn't seem weird granted I mean he's a, a bit older than me but it just it didn't seem weird and I truly thought I he notices that I am talented and I'm sort of flailing so right, he's, he's gonna he's giving me this shot in his show which was the number one show it, then the phone calls became a bit more frequent and then there was a little bit of a, a weird tone to the phone calls, weird sounds to the phone calls. And I, I again, was very naive and I just, I remember being like, it sounds like he's moving around. Like, where is he? What's he, it just didn't, it didn't occur to me. And then I think one, at one Are point- Are you thinking he pleasured himself? I, at, at that point I wasn't, but then it got oh, to a point where God. I thought, it sounded like he's huffing and puffing. Oh. And I remember telling my mom and my mom was like, Oh, Juliet. What I mean? I mean, what were you talking about at that point? That I don't it got remember. To that? I think I remember. I think it was honestly. This was a long time ago, but I I don't ever remember it being any sort of. It never got really weird. He never right. said, you know, what are you wearing? It was right. nothing like that. Just kind of like boyfriend history stuff like that. Oh my! But God. it never got. Big, but again, I'm thinking, he's my 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 friend. Right. You know, it, it was just that sort of feeling, and then. <laughs> I was at my mom's apartment and he called and I'm talking to him for a second. Mom's cooking dinner. And the next thing I know, again, there's like this moving around, that kind of thing. And I put him on speakerphone and, you know, so my mom is listening and she's like giving me the, oh my God. And I'm like, and she's like, you know, and she's doing the, like what he's doing. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You know, and I get off the phone and we're like, ah! You know, she's like, holy shit, Juliet. Oh and I'm like, but I still, at that, like, and even my mother at you that point. It, right. She it was kind so of crazy. like, what just uh, You know, this is, she's like, okay, well, then, you know, just, to, well, I think, I genuinely think that we were both like, okay, he's a man. This is okay. You know, maybe yeah. I, maybe I need to tone not be maybe so friendly and fault. stop taking the phone oh, call. Yeah, okay. maybe it's my oh, fault. Just... So yeah, it, it, it was, um, it, it, you know, it sort of went on from, I, it, actually after that time, I didn't take any phone calls from him after work hours, except when he said, I have to talk to you about some, you know, I was getting in trouble for something. But we went to, he took me to a show, it was so public, the Colin Quinn one man show, and oh, I loved that show, by the oh, way. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're sitting there. So we walk in together. It's like Bill O'Reilly. I mean, millions, of, not millions, but the entire audience could have seen us because right. we walked in very late. And before the show ended, he got up and said, I'm, I'm going to take off. He was staying in the city at the Renaissance Hotel. And he slips me his uh, hotel number? card. Oh, my God. And I was like, uh, and then he, he leaves and he starts texting me. And so... Um, I, you know, this is a this is this is the thing that I never got to explain. It, it was reported, um, but I never got to explain why I went to the room to hand him his card. A lot of people say, "Well, you just you wanted it." 
The reason that I went to the room was because clearly, I didn't realize this at the time, but clearly when O'Reilly gave me his card, he he knew that he had probably done this to, with other women and that I could probably, if I was not a trustworthy, if I was some little skank, I could have gone immediately over to Fox News and said, look what Bill O'Reilly just gave me. He gave me his hotel card. I, get, I guarantee if you use this right now, it's gonna work in his door. And you know, isn't this sick and isn't he a pervert? And so he was text demanding me that, that I drop off the cart, not throw it away, not just, you know, just leave it around, not hand it to the front desk people that I literally hand it to him. And that's why I went up to the room. And that, I mean, truly, <laughs> I, I look back now and it's like, oh my God, Juliet, like what us the, to the room. hell? What happened? In our next episode, Juliet Huddy reveals how that night changed her life forever. You've been listening to the News Broads with Gina Cerrito, Lynn White, and Judy Lick. Our producer is David Levin and audio mixing by Barry Hirschberg.